Coming up this week, the Tesla Model Y and Model 3 are crushing the competition. Ford is throwing $29 billion at their EV efforts. The Super Bowl ads this year have some EV drama and more. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 51 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. Before we get started with the news this week, I want to thank our podcast partner, Titan Auto & Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support. Titan is one of the very few independent shops in Central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs, and from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. That's TitanAutoTire.com. We do have two new patrons to announce this week, supporters on Patreon. Max Schleichhorn as a magazine subscriber and Rajiv Narayan at the executive producer tier. Welcome to you both. It is a pleasure to have you join the EV Resource family. Now, this podcast started a year ago. So to celebrate, I do have some announcements and some changes that are going to be made. Uh, I'm going to do that at the end of the show. So if you're on the audio version, make sure you stick around for that. Okay, so our first bit of news this week is exciting and not too surprising. In California for the 2020 year, the Tesla Model Y and the Tesla Model 3 crushed their competition. The official categories, according to the California New Car Dealers Association, or CNCDA, that the Model Y slots into is the luxury compact SUV segment, and the Model 3 is considered in the near luxury segment. So we'll take a look at the Model Y first. In 2020, the Tesla Model Y in California sold 20,124 units, taking up 22.8% of the market share. The next closest competitors were the Lexus NX with 11,461 units and 13% market share, and the BMW X3 with 9,866 units and 11.2% market share. The Mercedes GLC class and Audi Q5 round out the top five in that category. And considering that the Model Y didn't start deliveries until March and then was ramping up production from there, I think it's safe to say that for 2021 this year, it should easily retain its top spot in that category. Now, the Model 3 sales were actually more impressive. In the near luxury category, the Model 3 practically stole the show, selling 38,580 units, counting for a 41.5% market share. The next closest competitor had only 10,018 units and a 10.8% market share, and that competitor was the entire BMW 3 Series, so not even an individual car. The Lexus ES, Mercedes C-Class, and Audi A4 round out the top five. And the Model 3 was actually the fifth best-selling car in any category in California and in the top 10 for all vehicles. And it is worth mentioning that Teslas weren't the only EVs selling well in California. The Chevy Bolt EV also took top spot in the subcompact category with 8,230 sales and 22.8% of the market share. If you guys want to take a deeper dive into the report from the CNCDA, I will have a link to that in the show notes. 
Next up, Ford is throwing money at their shift to EVs. According to a report from Car and Driver this week, Ford is making a commitment to spend $29 billion on EVs and self-driving cars. The automaker, which starts producing the electric F-150 next year, announced it will invest heavily in the future of powertrains and mobility through 2025. Ford announced during its fourth quarter earnings report that it will invest $22 billion in electric vehicles and around $7 billion in autonomous vehicles through the year 2025. The electric vehicle stake is an increase over the $10 billion already pledged to help Ford compete in the race to bring electric vehicles into the mainstream market. And while Ford is working on its own electric vehicles, it also has invested $500 million in EV startup Rivian. In 2019, the two companies announced a plan to build a Ford vehicle using the startup's platform. However, last year in 2020, a planned electric Lincoln built with Rivian technology was canceled due in part to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, in part, Ford may be throwing this money down to compete with GM's big electrification goals, but it has stopped short of announcing exactly when or if it will transition to an all-electric passenger fleet as General Motors pledged to do in the last few weeks. What it has announced is that a majority of its vehicles will be EVs, with some of its offerings having hybrid and plug-in hybrid powertrains. So while they aren't exactly competing directly with GM in terms of uh, the big ambitious goals, it is definitely a step in the right direction. And I think it's probably a smarter one for Ford because to me anyway, the way I look at it, a lot of their target market may be alienated if they come out and say that they're going to eliminate building gas and diesel powered vehicles. And speaking of GM... I had a laugh at the friendly drama surrounding their Super Bowl ad this year. GM's ad grabbed a 90-second spot costing $5 million, which normally companies will grab just a 30-second spot. So 90 seconds. They're obviously uh, trying to make a big statement here, especially spending that kind of money. Uh, it featured Will Ferrell. In the ad, Farrell informs the audience that Norway is beating the U.S. at electric car production, so of course he punches right through a small globe that he has, taking it out in the outline of Norway on his spherical map. I won't stand for it, Farrell says. With GM's new Ultium battery, we're going to crush those losers, Farrell adds. Farrell brings Keenan Tonson and Aquafina along on his quest. They're going to Norway. The commercial isn't without its fancy cars. Farrell is driving in the Cadillac Lyric SUV, while Thompson and Aquafina, they're getting into a Hummer EV. And sadly, the directions that they had aren't too good. Farrell ends up in Sweden, while the duo winds up in Finland. Close, but not quite Norway. But it didn't end there, because, well, let's face it, GM doesn't sell any EVs in Norway yet. Audi is actually the best-selling vehicle brand in that country. So you don't think Audi, especially in its Norwegian operation, would sit idly by as GM and Will Ferrell challenged it in EVs, would you? For that, Audi turned to proud Norwegian and Viking among Vikings, Christopher Hivju, of Game of Thrones uh, fame, if you will, to set the record straight. And their ad encourages, quote, not to hate, but to imitate, end quote. As a side note, Audi got this response out really, really quickly. Um, so either they are on top of their game to just 
move into like jump into action or this was all planned by both sides to release uh you know back to back I don't know. I'm not going to get into any kind of conspiracies. Either way, it has been a blast to watch. There are a total of three shorts starring Hivju, but the one in which Hivju encounters a globe with a hole allegedly punched by Feral, honestly, I think is my favorite. Now, Norway is a particular point of pride for Audi. According to Norwegian registration data, the e-tron, SUV, and Sportback was the best-selling model there in 2020 at 9,227 units, beating out the Tesla Model 3. And that's more e-trons than Audi sold in the U.S. in 2020. And considering Farrell's per capita start to the GM commercial, it is indeed of an embarrassment for the U.S. market. Assuming, of course, if you ignore how many Tesla sold here in its home territory. Battery electric models made up 54% of light vehicle sales in Norway last year, up from 42% in 2019, compared to 1% of the market 10 years ago. Here in the U.S., sales remain at less than 2% total EVs nationwide, although California has been breaking past 5%. Either way, we've got a long way to go here in North America, and honestly, poking fun at Norway, I mean, they are a leader in terms of how many EVs they are selling, so what's your take on all the EV drama? Personally, I think it's all in fun and shouldn't be taken seriously, unless you're an auto manufacturer, of course, then take it very seriously. They better be making a serious push to sell more EVs, and in the case of GM, They've certainly promised to do just that. Next, from Electrek this week, it's a $2,800 electric dune buggy they found on Alibaba. The two-seater buggy is called the GE-01, made by Wuhan AGY Machinery Equipment Company Limited, and sports a 5-kilowatt electric motor in the rear and can reach speeds of up to 40 miles an hour. Energy comes from a 3-kilowatt-hour 60-volt lead-acid battery pack, which... I'm not a huge fan of lead acid, but I'm sure you could swap it out for a lithium ion pack easy enough, even though the company is not going to support that. It also features all of the parts you'd expect from a nice little utility buggy, including LED lighting, hydraulic braking, four-wheeled independent suspension with long travel hydraulic shocks. This may be the least expensive EV that I've ever seen. Um... Would I buy one? Eh, no, because I mean, I'd still have to ship it over here. And then what am I going to do with something that's not road legal? But I think it's really cool. And if you're looking for like a side-by-side -side to go off-roading, if you're hunting or uh, going out into the wilderness, uh, this might be a good option. Maybe even like around the farm, um, you know, instead of like, uh, what are those called? Gators, I think. You know, the little or the Kawasaki side by sides, whatever they are, uh, <laughs> you know, this could be a good replacement for that and be really affordable. So there's a new rumor floating around about the Tesla Semi, a very interesting set of rumors about the upcoming Tesla Semi electric truck was posted to Twitter by Sawyer Merritt this week. Sawyer Merritt, if you don't know who he is or you're not familiar with him, uh, he is a Tesla enthusiast and investor who has had some pretty solid intel in the past. And according to his tweets, one of Tesla's suppliers, who is already engaged in the Model S, X, 3, and Y cars, revealed that it started working on stuff related to the Semi in Q4 2020. 
The body of the semi will be produced in the Tesla factory in Fremont, California, but the final assembly is expected to take place at the Tesla Gigafactory in Nevada, at first anyway, and then the Gigafactory in Texas once that factory is completed. The product roadmap ramp up is probably the most interesting aspect, at least to me. The release candidate series should be produced by May of 2021, a pilot series production to start in July, and then series production to start in August uh, of the day cab version. According to his tweets, about 350 vehicles will be, will be produced by the end of August 2021, and then the production rate will gradually increase 100 per week to the end of 2021 this year, and 500 per week by the end of 2022. Meanwhile, the company will also introduce the sleeper cab version. So annual production estimates at this point are uh, this year in 2021 to have 2,500 produced by the end of the year, next year 10,000, in 2023 a total of 25,000 and we'll also see the European version of the semi join the lineup, and in 2024 also 25,000. Merritt says he knows the name and location of the supplier and has seen some presentations that back up this claim but warns that timelines can always change and to take everything with a grain of salt. One way or the other, though, where there's chatter, there's usually activity. And the last bit I want to share with you is actually an article in this month's EV Resource magazine about Electric Last Mile Solutions, a small U.S.-based startup looking to make a big impact on the last mile delivery world. The electrification of transportation is advancing at a rapid pace. Globally, more than half of vehicle owners say they are considering an EV for the next vehicle. And this isn't too surprising to those of us who are entrenched in the EV world day in and day out. But if you're not keeping up with the latest news, it may come as a surprise. For those of us who are active in the EV community, we may still be surprised to learn how rapidly the commercial EV space is advancing as well. Sure, you may have heard of Rivian's electric vans for Amazon or Ford's e-transit series they plan to produce, especially if you watch the videos or listen to this podcast. You, I've mentioned them. Uh, you might have even heard about Bright Drop or Canoe. I have mentioned them as well. Maybe not Canoe. I'll have to <laughs> look back on that. I know I've mentioned Bright Drop then. And while there's assuredly a lot of business to be made, none of those familiar companies are seriously tackling the very busy Class 1 vehicle segment, vehicles that weigh less than 6,000 pounds. There is, however, one company that has an eye to dominate this unserved segment with a revolutionary solution, and that company is Electric Last Mile Solutions, or ELMS for short. Co-founded by James Taylor, no, not that James Taylor, uh, different one, uh, co-founded by James Taylor and Jason Liu and based right here in the United States, Elms will be manufacturing their electric urban delivery vans with a focus on providing not just a vehicle, but a customizable solution for their customers' service needs. Their goal is to not only be the most reliable and efficient electric last mile solution, but also one that provides the lowest total cost of ownership. Fleets that have a shorter distance delivery routes are an ideal target for Elms as the entry-level vans only have a 42 kilowatt hour battery providing a claimed 150 mile range. Now that might not sound like a lot, but you have to consider that a bigger battery also means a bigger price tag. 
And if you're a fleet owner, you don't want to pay for even a single kilowatt more than you need to, and 150 miles will be more than enough to handle these shorter distance service routes. The manufacturing plant Elms has in Mishawaka, Indiana, will have the capacity to produce 100,000 low-cost vehicles per year, with production expected to start in the second half of this year. But the vehicle itself isn't where they plan to have a future-proof competitive edge. Elm's Eric Grossman explained, quote, At the end of the day, the EV technology itself won't be the differentiator. What's going to make the difference here is what solutions you're going to provide on top of a low-cost, reliable EV hardware, end quote. When it comes to providing the best solution for their customers, Elms will focus on two main areas, vehicle customization and data services. Elms customers aren't simply going to buy the vehicle and call it a day. Quote, these vehicles will be customized to end users specific use case, said Grossman, whether it's a delivery company requiring shelving or a chemical company needing to seal the cabin. And we believe we have differentiated approach to do this by partnering with some leading upfitters to integrate the customization into this assembly process, end quote. And this is different from the current model of a customer buying a vehicle from an OEM dealer and then having it outfitted by a third party, which then takes extra time before the customer can take delivery. And ultimately, because of that middleman, adds an excess cost. Elm's approach will save the customer money and time. And when you're running a business, that makes a huge difference. Each delivery van will be offered with a suite of digital solutions tailored to the customer's needs as well. Through a partnership with Geotab, Elms will have over-the-air data systems to provide digital solutions for fleet customers. In addition to being first to market with a Class 1 electric delivery vehicle, they've taken a unique approach and are addressing a huge potential market that is screaming for a solution. And aside from last mile deliveries, Elm's vehicle offerings are exactly the type used by so many other commercial companies and fleets that have a local service area. Earlier, I said that Elm's will be dominating the class one delivery segment with a revolutionary solution, and I meant every word. Okay, so that's it for the news segment this week. And from now on, I'm gonna be ending the YouTube video right now after the news segment and leave the announcements and end bits just for the audio only podcast. Uh, the reason for that, after looking at the YouTube analytics, people really aren't watching this part of the, the podcast anyway, the end part. And so if you're watching on YouTube right now, don't forget to like, subscribe and click the bell for notifications. And thanks for watching. I'll catch you next week. And for the rest of us just listening to the audio only, as I mentioned, I do have some pretty significant announcements to share with all of you. But first, our weekly Q&A. I want to thank everybody who answered last week's question. I got a huge response, and I'm going to try to make it through all of these. Last week's question was, what was the main factor that influenced you to buy an EV and what started it? Or I suppose that's two questions, but whatever. Let's roll with it. Miles Vance says, cheap to fuel and maintain and nicer to drive than ICE vehicles. Diego Cardenas said, quietness of the ride coupled with performance and luxury, topped with no gas. Kathy Ford Thawne, I've wanted one since I was a kid reading popular science. Then I became a university professor teaching in an environmental science program, and the craving got even stronger. We got started in 2003 with a Honda Insight. 
from Melissa Perry. No oil changes, no transmission to go bad and get replaced. Not having to pay for gas is a major plus. So many people have their cars in the shop getting worked on with problems that my car will literally never have. Tom Anderson said greater energy independence followed closely by lower environmental climate impact. We got some of that for years with hybrids, but the cool tech and high performance of Tesla drove me to go full plug-in. Clay McDonald, extremely low long-term operating cost and environmentally friendly. Chris Maxwell says the diesel emissions scandal coupled with the realization that solar panels make free fuel for an EV. From Barry Smith, we started off with solar and driving electric seemed like the next logical step for us in reducing our carbon footprint. James Hart, and this is one that touches one of my reasons, the need for silent speed. Love it, James. Uh, Charles Jarena of Drive Electric RVA said cheaper fuel and smaller carbon footprint. Nick Westerman also shared a photo of his EV motorcycle, an Energica Ego. Uh, if you don't aren't familiar with that bike, you should definitely check it out. And he says, they are so cool and different. Not stopping at the gas station is so amazing, and the lack of gears or a clutch makes it much more enjoyable. The noise is epic, too. Shane Cornelison said, I'm tired of getting screwed at the pumps. I commute 150 kilometers a day and looked over other options of transportation, and there are no buses, trains, or anything thereof transportation-wise in, um, I'm going to uh, modify the comment, uh, in out there in Saskatchewan. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep it uh, PG. And our last one, Robert Aldridge said, it was never an environmental thing for me. It was always savings. I like not paying for gas, no oil changes, no transmission to go bad, etc. So thank you all for sharing. Those are some really great answers. And I, there isn't a bad one in the bunch for sure. Uh, for this question, or for this week, the question is this. What needs to happen here in North America to get EVs to be 50% of all new vehicle sales? Anything is a good answer, better vehicle options, more charging, more tax incentives, rebates, whatever. Let me know what you think, and I will share your answer next week. And as always, if you have a question about EVs or something that you want to dive into, ask me and I will read out your answer um, as well. You know, that's how this all started, this segment. And uh, if you have something, I'd love to be able to share that um, as well. So our final bit is for announcements, and I guess this is where I tend to be sharing my personal experiences as well. And this week, I had the mostly awesome experience of driving a 2015 Tesla Model S 85D from a guy on Turo. I rented it, and I drove 2,000 miles round trip to Florida and back. And I won't get into all the details today, but I'm putting together a video about the journey and some of the eventful happenings along the way. Now, those of you on Facebook already know most of it, and I'm sure you watched all the videos I posted along the way. Uh, if you haven't seen all of those, head on over to Facebook um, if you want, or you can just wait until I get the uh, YouTube video out on it. Okay, so the big announcement that I've been hinting to this whole time is this. Even though this is episode 51 of the podcast, the podcast started last February, and this episode makes, marks the very first anniversary. So as such, I wanted to celebrate that, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about how I want to continue to evolve the podcast and provide as much value as possible for all of you. 
So what I decided was to expand the benefits to our Patreon supporters at the producer and executive producer tiers. Going forwards on Patreon, I will have an ad-free version of every future podcast available in audio form posted every week on Patreon, and I'm also going to be doing a monthly bonus episode. Some of these bonus shows will be a deeper, more technical dive into EVs, EV batteries, EV charging, etc., and some will be of interviews that I've done as well. Basically, it'll just be another level of content that I think those at that you know, those tiers that they deserve. So if you want to take advantage of that, you want access to uh, not having to listen to any ads because um, knock on wood, I hope there will be more added to the mix um, just to help support the show. Uh, But honestly, I won't really need to uh, explore that route if enough of you are jumping onto the Patreon side of things, and then we can just stay ad-free. Honestly, I would love to have it that way. Um, Ultimately, that would be the ideal situation. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. It's been a year uh, of doing this podcast, and it's been an absolute blast. I really enjoy interacting with all of you and really trying to bring you the latest EV news and information Um, You know, I say that every week. That's what I'm here to do is bring the latest EV news information and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. And I feel like I've stayed true to that. And I am excited for the future. Honestly, I don't plan on ever stopping this, you know, unless something crazy happens that I'm just not able to do it. So that is your show for this week. Thank you very much for listening this far in. Um, As always, if you can share this with your friends or other people that you think would be interested in uh, learning more about electric vehicles and staying up to date on the news, share it with your friends, your family, whoever. If you can, and you'd be so willing, get on Apple Podcasts and write a review or a rating. That is always super helpful. Our Patreon executive producers are Tom Wiggins and, once again, now Rajiv Narayan uh, joining that tier. And James Hart supports us at the producer level. If you want to support all of the efforts that I have here on EV Resource, you can check it out on patreon.com slash EV Resource. I always invite your feedback via email to hello at ev-resource.com. You can always leave a comment on the YouTube channel and don't forget to subscribe even on the podcast so that you'll get all the future shows delivered to you automatically. You won't have to hunt around for EV resource every week. And if you want to listen to any of the previous shows, you can find them on our webpage under the podcast section and on most of the major podcast platforms. So thank you all for being with me this week and I'll see you next time.